Okay, now we're continuing uh, as the, it's getting closer and closer to World War II. And this time we're going to be focusing especially on a lot of the sad uh, compromising that went on in the Christian world with the, all the idolatry that went on as the war approached. So state Shinto and the Christian's response from 1889 through World War II. So the Meiji Constitution was in 1889, and of course from the very beginning that was very, very Shinto-based. You know, even though the Constitution had said that there was religious freedom, Young brings out how that the Constitution states that as long as the, as, as the, it's not antagonistic to their duties as subjects, that people can enjoy freedom of religious belief. But the problem here is, what does this mean by their duty as subject? And so, and then, and of course, it ended up, you know, becoming the whole idea that included in the, in the national uh, polity that, that, you know, that included in that thing for the education that you have to follow, of course, the Shinto thing and all the Shinto worship and everything. So they just interpreted it to mean that. And this was a big problem because, you know, with the imperial rescript on education, we know that they had to, of course, bow down, you know, before the, the image of the emperor. And um, this was, of course, later on even extended to include things like going to the Shinto shrines. And, and the fact is, is that way back at the very beginning of the Meiji Restoration, so another like 20 years before this, in back in, 18, in 1868, one of the very first imperial edicts that was, came out, you know, by the new government, by the new emperor, declared that the worship of the gods and the regard for the Shinto ceremonies are part of the great properties of the empire and the fundamental principles of national polity. So Christians, of course, way back then already, had to choose whether they were going to, you know, obey God or man. You know, it was a that was a question, and so that was the what the issue even back then already. So the Shintoist base of the Meiji Constitution was also made obvious by the imperial rescript on education. At first, Christians reacted negatively to the rescript, but Young writes, yet gradually resistance declined, and the government's instructions were accepted. And this seemed to be a very, very general pattern all along that, um, you know, that first there was a reaction against it, but then as the government put the pressure on, you know, they would go agreeing with it. I read that in another research paper too, the same thing. And also, Young adds that the polythe polytheism was thoroughly implanted in the Christian schools of Japan, you know, way back beginning in 1890. So at this time. And so Christian schools were all indoctrinated in this. And this, of course, affected future, a lot of future generations, and it gave them a, this, this open attitude toward compromising. You know, the kids were trained to bow down before the emperor's picture and, and to go to the Shinto shrines with the classes and, and bow down at the Shinto shrines. So this became a really a big problem. So Young writes about this in the late 19... He was writing way in the late 1950s and saying that since most Christians decided not to consider this idolatry, 
They established a practice of compromise with the national polytheism for three generations of Christians to come, leaving an imprint so deep that even today, few churches in Japan have completely extracted themselves from it. I thought this was very interesting that, because I've noticed too that many churches don't seem to make a big deal, like for example in Buddhist ceremonies, about doing the incense and all that. There's just a lot of, of, um, of compromise in these areas. John Young also writes, the willingness of the Christian forces to accept the government's interpretation and do the required obeisance, along with their failure to unite in fortright pro protests against it, was perhaps the most tragic failure in the history of Christianity in Japan. So this is very, very interesting how, how you know, deeply this affected the future of Japan and, and the Japanese work here in Japan. So why is it sin to bow down to the picture or the photo of the emperor? And, you know, this, of course, the emperor was declared by the government to be a living god, a descendant of Amaterasu. So people, of course, believed that he was, and that he was a descendant of the sun goddess. And therefore, if we would bow down to it, we're breaking the second commandment. And this is, you know, one thing that um, Young points out, too, is that even if the Christian teachers and the Christian students, of course, they didn't believe that he was a god, you know, if they're just bowing down like just to show respect. But the point is, is that the Bible says that we don't bow down to any image. And, you know, you think of the example of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They could have just said, oh, okay, this image, we know it's not a god, so we're just going to bow down, but we know it's, we don't believe it's a god. But that's not the case, you know, like with the emperor too, they're saying he's a god. And so if you bow down, of course, everyone else is believing that you're participating along with them. So that's the whole point is that the Exodus tells us very clearly not to bow down to the image of anything. So that was a very clear uh, um, teaching of the Bible, which was being clearly broken. Some of the reasons for this spiritual compromise of course, we've already been discussing this before, but, you know, the we're just going to go kind of make a quick review here. But first of all, there was extreme nationalism patriotism, which we've been talking about a lot. And, of course, the increasing liberal theology. And, you know, this liberal theology really does affect a lot, because if you think about, um, if you're doubting God's word, well, then, you know, you're open to all kinds of losing all kinds of spiritual power and boldness. And one of the very first things that happens when, when churches start going towards liberal theology, often I've noticed that they often think that it's, there's salvation in other, others than through Jesus. And if that's the case, then, of course, mixing up with other religions and syncretism and everything else opens up. So that, this, of course, affects so much, you know, the life of the believer. And then, of course, there's that pressure of the, to conform. As we talked about before, how that there's 250 years of, of this goningumi, which, you know, the, the five families all meet together. And that was, in, you know, for 250 years, that was, 
you know, deep, even now, Japanese are still, of course, if influenced by that, and so much more back then when they were just coming out of those 250 years of that. I think that uh, this next point is a very interesting that we haven't really discussed yet, but this is Professor Yanaihara. He was led to Christ by Uchimura Kanzo, and he was an amazing guy. But let's read the quote first. He says here about the missionaries, that this is one of the reasons for the failure. Since they came into a strange culture and had to make their message winsome and attractive, etiquette demanded that they be not be too outspoken in criticizing life around them. The result was that they produced a church which never offended anything or anybody. It had no backbone. It was never the church militant, and it should have been. I think that the very first generation of, of missionaries did teach more about that. But as time went on, especially as those first generation, you know, like people like Hepburn and, and uh, Bala and others, as they died, I think this became more and more the case. But that this is one of the reasons that, you know, for the lack, for this compromising, for the lack of the missionaries, I think this is an amazing lesson for us uh, who are missionaries here in Japan to, to really teach the whole counsel of God and to not just try to be, you know, just teach the things that, which are easy for people to hear, but especially in our teaching and in the, in the discipleship, we need to really get into these issues of, of, of idolatry and all the issues that, you know, are part of compromising with the things around us. Yanaihara also writes that the Japanese church is in the fifth reason for the compromising. This is also something which I think is important. Has emphasized the social gospel to the virtual exclusion of dogmatics in the Bible. I consider this fact as significant as any in producing a church that was non-prophetic in the war years here. And actually, Yanaihara has been called the conscience of a nation. Because he was teaching at the Imperial University, which is now Tokyo University, and he was actually teaching about um, uh, what do you call it? About um, colonizing and colonization and stuff. But then he concluded that it was not right for Japan to be invading these other nations, and so he started teaching against it. And so he was taken off his job. He was he he, he was uh, kicked out of his job. But he went underground and he continued writing and being against the war. And that's why he ended up being called the conscious of a nation. And he was part of this Mukyokai Hai, you know, this non-church movement, which Uchimura Kanzo started. And he had been led to Lord by him. And amazing guy, powerful testimony. I think he's just a really an amazing guy. And what's amazing, too, is that after the war, he, was, he began teaching at the at the. Tokyo University again, which is now Tokyo University, and he even became the president of Tokyo University. So he's an amazing example, a positive example of, of someone that didn't compromise. And you know, later on then, um, with the political situation too, the Japanese victory in the first Sino-Japanese War in 18, uh, 1895 and in the Russo-Japanese War in 1905 increased nationalistic pride and fervor. And if you think about it, you know, China was a huge nation, which Japan had been learning from for, you know, centuries. 
and Russia was considered a major European power. So this was huge military successes. So this really, of course, increased their pride. And then Japan colonized Taiwan in 1895 and Korea in 1910. So, you know, Japan is getting bigger and getting all these, adding out these territories. So all of this, of course, influenced things a lot. And then in the early 1920s, there were 1,200 Protestant churches and 1,800 preaching points. So adding that together, of course, that's 3,000 churches and pre preaching points. And the average membership of all together were 50, and the average church membership was 100 of just the churches, not the preaching points. But it says active participation was much less. This was in the early 1920s, and this was considered a very a politically very liberal time. But because of that, you know, the, the nationalistic conservative Shintoists were very concerned because the morals became more decadent. And then when the economic depression from 1920 happened, then the conservative military took this as an advantage, as an excuse for them to begin to act. And what they started to assume control, and they did this in two distinct ways. First of all, they caused an incident in China, which uh, gave them an excuse to attack China, and they ended up you know, making Manchuria into a Japanese puppet regime. And then in second, they began doing assassinations. And they, did the, they killed the first key government official in 1932, and then in 1936, they killed seven government officials. And Drummond writes that after this, the army was basically in control from 1936 all the way until the end of the war in 1945. So this is how the government just took complete control in all areas of life. And you know, since the fascist takeover was gradual, the Christians were still very active for a good part of the 1930s, even though, of course, in schools and stuff, they had begun compromising in the Christian schools. Oops, I think I skipped one here. Oh, that's right, okay. And then in increasing compromise of the majority of Christians. Now, this was a very, very uh, sad aspect of the story of the Christians here in Japan, that there was just more and more and more compromising going on. So first of all, the National Council of Churches, uh, the NCC, which was connected with the World Council of Churches, it flip-flops from 1930 to 1936. In 1930, they had uh, made a statement that, you know, that worshiping at, bowing at Shinto shrine is a worship thing, you know, because they said that obviously it's always been religious and, you know, that we're doing religious things, we're praying and doing things that are religious at the Shinto shrine. But then in 1936, they came out with another statement saying that now they agreed with the government that uh, this is not, it's not religious. So from 1930 to 1936, it completely flip-flopped. And, of course, obviously, Shintoism didn't change, but they accepted the government teaching on that. And this, you know, really, when you think about it, this was in 1936. But way back from, nine, from 1890, 46 years already, the children began to go to the Shinto shrines and even children from Christian schools would go to Shinto shrines. 
and they would all have to bow down before the emperor's picture. So the children, imagine a child that was 10 years old in 1890, now he's 56, it's 46 years later. And he's 56, he's the leaders, they're leaders in the church, they're leaders in government, and, and these people that are Christians are so used to compromising that they ended up giving in and agreeing with everything. This is where that rescript on education really just, you know, had a huge influence on all the church in general. So this is um, a very, very serious part. And then from 1936 until the end of the war, the military government became increasingly strict and demanding. So there they began to start putting the pressure more and more, and especially once the war with the U.S. started in 1941, then it became really, really bad. But the, some of the government's demands were, first of all, that the, the religious bodies law became in 1939. And this was when uh, basically all the Protestant churches got together in the Kyodan and, and formed the, for the, the, the Nihon Christo Kyodan. And the Kyodan, we call it just the Kyodan, but the Nihon Christo Kyodan, you know, many of these mainline denominations have been trying for years and years and years to all get together, but they, they, they never could. A couple of them joined, a few of them joined, you know, in groups, but, but the government basically made it that everyone had to join and if they didn't, of course, they wouldn't be recognized and they couldn't function. And so, or else they'd be under the local governments and they were, of course, scared to be under the local governments. So basically everyone felt like they had to join. But of course, it wasn't the, the, the they shouldn't have been doing it because the government wanted to be able to control just all the Catholics in one group, all the Protestants in one group. And it was their way of just trying to have complete control over everything. And... So the, the Kyodan was officially recognized then in November of 1941. And the second thing that they did was starting this Kujo Yohai. Kujo actually means palace, and Yohai means worshiping from afar. But it's worshiping the palace from afar. So what it was was that they actually made it, eventually they got to the point that they told all the churches that before they started their worship service, everyone had to stand and bow down toward the emperor, you know, at the emperor's palace. And so this was called Kujo Yohai, and was part of the, of the worship service. And also what they did, that they said that all the churches had to have the God shelf in the Christian churches, which was a, a, um, also this was connected with Shintoism, I mean, obviously, and it was connected with the Ise Shrine, you know. And so this is really complete, you know, just getting completely involved in, in all kinds of, of, of worship. And the churches, the sad thing about it is that basically the overwhelming majority of churches compromise on these issues. And this was the thing that really, you know, what should have been done. Instead of agreeing, you know, the right thing to do would have been to, okay, we won't, we'll, we'll close, you know. If they had been having cell groups, they could just say, okay, we're going to close, and we're going to just be meeting in homes secretly, and go underground, and, you know, but they had to do this. Yohai, of course, the people that were more s sincere, the more serious Christians, they said many of them would arrive to the service after they did that ceremony of bowing to the temple, you know, toward the, the emperor's palace. 
But it was really a, a sad situation. And, uh, but that's what they should have done. They should have just not joined the Kyodan. And, and even, even if they did join the Kyodan, because maybe at first they thought they had to, but then, you know, when it came to the point of doing this Kujo Yohai or the God Shelf, they said, okay, we'll close down. And, you know, and then they could have just gone underground. And like I said, if they had a cell group system, a family group system, that would have easily been done, you know, but that's where, you know, there wasn't going on and that's what they really needed. But unfortunately, there was so much compromise and there's some sad examples, like for example, the Nihon Kristo Kyodan and even many Christian pastors, including Kagawa Toyohiko. But the Nihon Kristo Kyodan, they just really completely gave in to all kinds of of, of compromise. The very day when they formed their, their, their kyodan, the, everyone that gathered there, there was a huge crowd, you know, to form the kyodan, and everyone did the you know, kujo yohai toward the imperial palace, and afterwards then some of the delegates uh, were, the delegates went in mass to, to the Meiji shrine to pray there, and they chose a representative of their group to go to Ise Jingu, you know, to the Ise Shrine, which is the main shrine of the emperor, to go and report there that, that they had now formed, you know, the, the organization. So, I mean, it was a horrible, horrible um, uh, compromising going on. As an example of Kagawa's liberal theology, Young writes that Kagawa wrote the following concerning the resurrection of Christ. Anyway, Jesus was truly raised in the hearts of his disciples. Here is the beginning of Christianity. If you want to take it as a superstition, you may take it so. So, I mean, it just shows how far liberal, you know, he was. And unfortunately, even though, you know, he did so much good for the gospel, um, actually, uh, Young brings out that he feels like in the end, he was more harm than good, you know, because of his huge compromising stand. You know, um, before we go into those who remain faithful, I just want to mention that Kagawa even was hired by the government. And he was, you know, the one that had done all that social work and all those evangelistic campaigns. But he was hired by the government with expenses paid to go to, to Manchuria and, and Korea and to convince all the Christians there that it's not a sin to go and pray at the shrines, you know. And so he went all over telling everyone that it was okay, that it was just a civic duty and everything. So it's very, very sad. Because the guy was amazingly, you know, used by God. But then when it came to this compromise, of course, his, his theological weakness was what caused that, I think, especially in his case. There's a mixed witness of the holiness movement. They say that a lot of the holiness um, pastors, including Nakade-san himself, in 1930, he says, we will never bow down at the worship at, at the shrines. But then as the pressure went on, of course, he died in 1939, when it got really, from then it started getting really bad. And the other uh, holiness pastors ended up participating in all the, the shrine worship and, and doing all the kujo-yohai and everything. They ended up all becoming part of the kyodan and doing all those things. But there were a lot of of holiness pastors that were persecuted. Altogether, I've read that something like 130 of them were arrested and 57 of them were imprisoned and two died in prison and two of them died soon afterwards because of their 
in prison. But the reason that for all the persecution was not because of not participating in the Shinto state Shinto shrine uh, worship, but it was because that they taught that Jesus Christ was coming back and he was going to be setting up his millennial kingdom and that everyone was going to have to bow before him and the government. But praise God, at least when they came to that, they wouldn't deny the faith. You know, they continued to say that, no, this is true, that Jesus is coming back. And so they did really maintain the faith. I think that was really a neat thing. The, sh shine, the shrine Shinto and everything, I think it was partly a weakness too because of of their leader Nakada-san being so extremely nationalistic and everyone of course too. But uh, they did really become uh, uncompromising in those things. There's also a great example of the Mino mission in Ogaki Gifu. They also did an amazing job. They, uh, from the very beginning, they refused to do anything of that. They refused to bow down before the emperor's photo and everything. And it's amazing because they got so persecuted. And this was in 1933. So still, you know, uh, quite a while, about eight years before the war began with the U.S. But they, it made, just because like a 12-year-old boy and his brother, 11-year-old, they refused to go to the Isis shrine to worship. And so the, the school found out about it and, and, and they, they called the police and the police asked the family and the family, then they asked the church and the church supported the family. And the missionaries supported the family, and they all agreed that we would never bow down. And so they made such a big ruckus about it. They said that in 10 of the Buddhist temples in that city, that people they had meetings about, you know, uh, to condemn the, the Mino mission. And it was amazing. They put these large posters about how bad the Mino mission is. They said that they went out to the street meetings and people threw rocks at them. And a huge mob came to the mission station, but God protected them. Anyway, this went on for a while, and newspapers all over Japan took it up. Imagine, just because these two little boys wouldn't go to the Ise Shrine, but of course they found out that the mission wouldn't, you know. And even they said in the newspaper that the Mino mission says that there is no God, but there, you know, but, but the creator God, you know. And one of the missionaries said, well, we couldn't have even paid for this kind of advertisement, you know. But in the end, uh, they stuck it out. And what was amazing was that later on, when other missions couldn't be evangelizing anymore, they were allowed to continue evangelizing with street meetings. And they said that the police and the detectives ended up seeming to even respect them for their strong position and for not compromising. So they were really blessed in the end, and that's an amazing testimony of Pastor Kikuchi, the Japanese pastor, and the missionaries that were there. They all just maintained really firm in their commitment, which is a really amazing blessing. Young gives other examples of pastors who refused to bow at Shinto shrines and brings out that if all Christians of all Japan had risen up and taken the same stand, possibly even the Pacific War could have been avoided. That's really an amazing thing because, you know, if what that possibly the whole nation would have been gone in a different direction if the Christians had really become, like, past, like Professor Yanaihara said, become the prophetic voice for the nation. But unfortunately, they didn't. But here we learn also again from the examples of the, the, of the good examples and the bad examples how we can also learn 
as we go out now to do church planting, what to do and what not to do. So God bless you.